he's gay. I mean, he's gay, excuse me, he's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to interact with this fool? You need a fucking Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Hope you enjoy the program, because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. I took a course in Hallelujah. I went to night school for deep blues. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? Some stuff that said would would love to hear from you tonight. 813-602-2715 is the telephone number. You can text or call, either or. I'll pick up on you, not a problem. Or you can send a tweet, twitter.com forward slash blind Lawrence. More information after this. But first... A third coronavirus vaccine. All this and much, much more. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks for checking this out. If you'd like, as I said earlier, the number tonight is 813-602-2715. You can either text or call. I'll take a look at it and I'll put you on the air, read your comment, whatever it is you'd like. Also, you can also send out a tweet on a Twitter uh, Twitter.com forward slash L Ross. No, I'm sorry. Twitter.com forward slash Blind Lawrence. Or you could do Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash L Ross 1987. There we go. I was, I was, I was getting a little ahead of myself. I, 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 got, I got, my, got, my, got my credits mixed up. But you can check out the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash L Ross 1987. <laughs> Thank you to Paula Moore for liking the page. Thank you, Paula. Up to 459 likes. I know the numbers tend to go up and down, but there is a reason behind that. And I uh, just want to get into this briefly. Well, actually, I'll get into this in a second. But, uh, yeah, so thank you, Paula Moore, for liking the page. Uh, if you want to get your name announced, all you got to do is just go to facebook.com forward slash Elross1987. Click on the like button. And your name will be announced on the air. So thank you very much, Paula, for that. Uh, and uh, you can also check out my Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Blind Lawrence or YouTube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. And also check out the merchandise at TEE Spring.com forward slash stores forward slash L Ross 1987. 
So I got all the typical housekeeping stuff out of the way. Just want to, you know, clean that off my plate. Ah, jeez. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Here he comes. <laughs> I, I, had, I, I had a feeling he'd be here tonight. Of, of course, of course, because he's on the couch. Hey there, blind man. What's up, Stewie? Uh, hey, look, man. Uh, you know, you do friend from, uh, uh, uh like the page? Uh-huh. Paula? Uh-huh. Why don't you play God Save the Queen, man? She's from England. Well, look, I mean, it's, it's the only clip that I have in my arsenal that can do, that it's supposed to invoke, like, a celebration of sorts. Yeah, well, at least you'd have that celebration song by those, uh, who are those chaps again? Cool in the gang. Yeah, cool in the gang. Ugh. You don't like the song. No, not really. I think the fat minute plays it on his, uh, his iPod, which is still on part with, by the way. You mean to tell me it's 2021 and he still won't uh, part with the iPod? No, 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 no. He loves that thing. Ugh. Tell him to get in the new century, would you? Sheesh. He's uh, a little, little behind, I gotta think, man. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, so with, uh, so with Paula liking the page, how many females, uh, you know, how many females does this make you can add to your, uh, little, uh, arsenal of your female fans? Uh, well, I don't have a lot of female fans. Well, that's, well, there you go. That's my point right there, man. You only have, like, four active female listeners to this program. Really, I do? Yeah, man. You got Terry out of Tampa. Uh-huh. You got uh, Paula out of England, who's probably going to be hearing this later on and thinking, what did I sign up for? I'm going to now unlike the page. This man is clearly unstable. Then you have, uh, who is you got? I got Karen out of uh, Orlando and Karen out of uh, Canada. That's all the money that we had, Karen. I was dependent on that. Why did you do that? Are you really telling me that it is Karen or are you just saying that, uh... Because that's the new thing now, that if anybody on the internet is named Karen, you should be nice to them. No, no, I, I'm just saying, man. I mean, I, I have friends named Karen who are both into the program. Well, good for them. Good for them, man. But, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much about as far as your female fan base is going to go, man. You could listen at what? Four active female listeners? Yep. Four active. Yep. Uh, at, at least I would think. Yeah, and, you know, take a look at your, you know, at your page. You got a lot of likes on there. You got 459 likes. Uh-huh. But uh, not a lot of activity, man. Not a lot of people engaging with your uh, community, man. Like, I don't know if you need to start, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you should uh, do Jeopardy videos and post them on your, uh, on your, on your shows page so people are, so people actually engage with your page so people know that you actually exist or... I don't know, just flew around in obscurity for the rest of the days. I I really don't care anymore. <laughs> Alright, you suit yourself, dude. Um Well so I wanna uh Oh jeez. Uh, you know what 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 else I wanna ask you about? Uh, uh you, you know you know yo I, I I had it, but now I don't got it. <laughs> of course you don't got it, man. You get no swagger, that's why the girls don't tune into this program, man. All right, shut up. All right, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, now getting to a now getting into a uh, announcement I like to make in regards to the uh, show's page. 
I know I talked about this pretty extensively last week, but I just want to sum it up because I had to lay down the law this past week. Uh, I have had to, and I've had to do this before, and the hammer will come down on anybody who does this. For anybody who's either liked the page or if you've browsed on the page and you just post a picture, no description, and you don't describe it, and you either have an attitude about it or you just elect not to because for some reason, I don't know why, some people, they evidently think either, well, since he's blind, he's not going to notice, or the rules just don't apply to to them, evidently. But uh, I'm pretty sure that if, if social media were a paying platform, I'd probably drop some of these. Uh, I, I'd, I'd probably fire some of these people for being incompetent because I've laid out one stipulation, and when you can't lay, and when you can't follow that stipulation, well, that's that that's when the problems will start. Uh, for you, because you elect to have a very sickening mentality to where people think, oh, I don't have to describe it, or I'm just not going to. No. If this were a job, probably would have been written up by now, and I'm just not going to deal with it anymore. If, if you go to the page, and you post a picture, sends a description... And I call you out on it, and uh, you're not, uh, you know, you're not cooperative about it. Well, then, guess what? I got nothing for you. Nothing. Nobody home on that one. Party's over on that one, man. No, there's, there's no, there's no, no time on that one. Uh, where, where's my thing? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> How do you like? Okay. Okay. <laughs> How do you like these apples, folks? The time when I want to have the ain't nobody got time for that sounder. And it's not... And I don't have it in my little thing. Alright. Screw it. I'll go with the personal recap. Alright, so... Yeah, so Friday night, not all that much. Just listen to the uh, program. You're the only guy who listens to the show. Yeah, whatever. Dick. Dick. Um Okay. So yeah, so Friday, just listen to the show for quality purposes, and then Saturday not all that much. Then Sunday, eh, about the same. Uh but uh and work has been work. Not much just really not much else to really say about that. And uh well, so yeah, submitted my uh application for that uh voiceover uh position i don't want to say too much else about it i i got i got something in the works i hope um, i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna say any specifics until either everything has either a fallen into place or b has fallen apart like it usually does with me for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it seems like I have all these... I don't know. It seems like as soon as I hear about a job or something that even seems remotely interesting and I, I go to apply for it, I instantly start to think, okay, what would happen if I get the job? Here's what I would be doing. It'd be something that I could manage. 
But uh, all too often, it seems as if I've ended up with the short end of the stick. And I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do in regards to trying to fix it. And, uh... And just a little, little uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, personal uh, thing about me. I, 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 I've, ah, jeez, ah, dang it! You know, I, I, I had something, and oh, wait, oh, I got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, got it. Ah, uh, all right, uh, uh. Ah, well, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like, you know, I, 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 I pitched this question on social media a little while ago and didn't really get a lot of responses with it. And I don't know why I'm doing it here because I basically have, I don't have all that much of a live audience. There's like, there's like, I, I, I think, I think out of everybody that I tell about this program. I think there's like one person who's actively listening to this live. Everyone else will either probably check this out on the replay or they'll or they check it out live and they just don't want to say, hey, dude, I listen live, which I'd like to know. I'd like to know if y'all listen live. But I proposed, uh, uh, but I pitched a question about a month or so ago. And the question was, is there a name? You know, is, 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 is there a term? For any man who has consistently tried to get a date, but despite all of his efforts, he gets nothing. Is there a term for that kind of person? I'm beginning to think that maybe there probably isn't. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Because that, that seems to be... Because I've, I've exhausted almost every avenue, I'd say. I've, I've, I've tried almost... Almost every avenue I can think of... When it comes to... Trying to build a relationship with a woman... Trying to, trying to, you know, get something going, you know, start things off easy, you know, casual, I guess you could say, and, and well, you know, it's, 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 it's a very disheartening state of affairs because I thought for certain. I thought for certain that by now, uh, uh, there we go. I was just queuing something up. Um, I thought that at the very least by now, at the very least, I would have had maybe at least one or two or maybe even three relationships that I could have reflected on. Wait, hold on, we're getting a call. I forgot to turn the knob up. Dang it, hold on a second. All right, uh, to the uh, gentleman, uh, uh, to the individual who just tried calling, call back, because I'd love to have you on the air so we can, we can talk about this. But yeah, but uh, anyway, like I was saying, every, every 
almost every avenue that I've tried hasn't worked out. Like, uh, in person. Like, uh, the bar scene. No, uh, oh, wait, I didn't know the thing. Wait, did I have the thing turned up? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Uh, the bar scene. Nothing. Uh, let's see. Online dating. I'm giving two for that, because... Oh, stand by. Oh, we are getting a call. Hold on a minute. Let me hit the button here. Uh, bonk. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Eh, guess not. <laughs> oh, that's weird. All right, but yeah, but anyway, like I was saying, yeah, so online dating, tried that, that didn't work. In person. Oh, there we go. Jeez, that was weird. All right, here we go. Hello, you're on the air tonight. Hello? This message is intended to contact you in regards to a legal case filed against your what? name. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have received legal notice concerning fraudulent activity against your social security number. Kindly press 1 to speak to our officer on duty. Ignoring of this message will be considered as intentional attempt of non-appearance. Hold on. Oh, boy. Uh, you know what? It was it was one of the it was one of those social social. It was one of those social security deals, one of those fake social security calls. I'm not going to mess with those. What I do like to do. Hang on. I'll, hang on. Uh, all right. Uh, I get back to uh, what I was saying earlier. Yeah. So so online dating, nothing. In person dating, nothing, and you know I, I've tried so many different avenues that the 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 one avenue that I'm very very apprehensive about speed dating. I am very nervous about. Oh, hold on. Hello, you're on the air. It's called Pandemic Peter. <laughs> Pandemic Peter? <laughs> Peter, Peter. I'm it's, what? It's Pandemic Peter. You want to know the term when you can't get a date. <laughs> I like the buzzer thing. That's funny. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. Uh... uh all right. Uh, hang on. Uh, hang on. Hello. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know the uh, from. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't know. I I think it. I think it might be time for me to get a brand new uh, mixing uh thing because it sounds like it's like it's it's like it's it's really lo it's really low on my end, but I can hear it fine on fine on the uh, uh the the other the other uh. uh the broadcast feed it's really really strange how much does it cost another mixing board uh i i'm not sure how about. much about what it about how much uh i'm not sure I, i'd have i'd have to do some uh 
research. Well, do the research and let me know. All right, you got it. I could sponsor that. Okay, you got it. But will you be able to set it up if you get it in a box? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, uh, I should be able to get it. It's, it's just that you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's just a matter of like, uh, determining like, you know, what it is I need to get because you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I want to get the wrong thing and have. Right. Right. All right. Well, you figure it out. And yep. All right. Well, I'll talk you to you on Sunday. Me the shirt. I got. I'll, 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 well, I'll get. I'll get. I'll get that for you. I'll get that for you. It, it'll. It'll be on. It, it'll be on its way. They. They got a. Okay. whole printing thing. You know. It, they. They. They print. They, they. They print all the stuff right here in the USA. So it. It just takes a little bit of time. But you'll get it. Don't worry. No, I'm not worried. All right. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I missed the very beginning. All right. I forgot. I got to go out a few minutes. All right. We're taking care of your. All right. Your uh, nephew, niece, Jessica, and you know they all went away for the weekend. Right, right. All right, uh, all right then. All right, I'll speak to you. Uh, speak to you Sunday. Yep, all right, I'll uh, talk to you, you Sunday. Do you have any special guests on tonight? Uh, Stewie was here a couple minutes ago. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. All right. All right can I say hello to him? Hello? Uh, hang on, hang on. Here we get him. Hey, dude, want to get off the couch? Want to talk to this guy? <clears throat> Good evening, sir. Uh, do you have any, uh, oh gosh, uh, you have any Cool Whip? Any it, it, what? Do you have any pie? Any, any Cool any Whip? Pie? Pie. Pie is a pie without Cool Whip. <laughs> I'm a little mixed up. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's really good. I mean, pie? Pie. <clears throat> Pie is a pie without Cool Whip, because he says. Well, 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 well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I gotta explain it. Oh gosh. <laughs> I gotta explain okay. it. Oh god. This, 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 this guy, this guy, bad. Seriously. Oh boy. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you later. Okay. okay. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye, bye now. Stewie. All right. Bye. I'll talk to you later, man. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay. There we go. Oh, what the? It's not another incoming call. No one else is calling in. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, getting back to what I was saying, you know, uh, uh, uh wait a second. Am, am I still on? Okay, good. Yes. Uh, yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So, yeah. So like I said, I'm, 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 I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about, what it's going to be like maybe in and i'm trying to think let's see uh when are we gonna let's see uh when are we as a society going to be able to go out all together publicly in a group without having to wear masks and maintain six feet you know six feet distances how much how much about how much longer are we going to have to uh go with this because earlier this year there was a report claiming that it would be done by april well we're halfway through april and we, it doesn't look like it's done so that so that was inaccurate uh so again i'm just wondering i mean is it going to be i don't know another 
18 months from now, two years from now, three years from now, when this might be all taken care of and we might be able to go back to somewhat of a normal resemblance of what society used to be, and I can do uh, speed dating uh, where, uh, where I can be kicked to the friend zone by every woman I meet within seven minutes as opposed to over long periods of time. I just, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't get it. I, 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 I don't understand it at all. I don't understand it. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. This isn't going to be good. Hey, I got a great name for someone who uh, has a hard time getting the ladies. Oh, boy. Uh, you got a good name for him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Blind Lawrence. Oh, screw you. Sheesh. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Now I don't know about that much in regards to sports, but I do want to play this. This this is this has been this has been kind of uh, this is very peculiar to me. Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we got this furniture store in town called Kane's Kane's Furniture, and uh, they've been a big proponent of the Lightning. The 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 deal. Uh, they they've had various promotions over the years. Like if you go to the game, like if like if you go to a home game, and the Lightning score. A certain amount of points. Just take your, you know, just take your ticket stub into any participating Canes furniture, and you'll get some sort of prize or some sort of discount. Well, this this is the latest thing they're doing, and this is kind of uh, I don't know. This this is a uh, hmm, a little bizarre, if you ask me. Lightning fans, if the Lightning score three or more goals tonight, you'll score two. Show your digital game ticket at any area Canes Furniture locations within seven days of the game to receive a free Culver's coupon for your choice of a value basket or concrete mixer. Okay, what is that? Okay, a value basket. All right. I'm not sure what that entails, but I imagine you can get some pretty cool stuff in it. Then they say a concrete mixer. <laughs> wait, wait, a coupon? For a concrete mixer? <laughs> concrete mixers are like 300 bucks. And it's like three cubic feet. And it's able to like mix 180 pounds of concrete. Or is it cement? Or I don't know what it is. <laughs> what, what they, 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 all, they, they, they all, you know, I, I can never remember the difference between like concrete and cement. Like concrete is like the hard stuff you walk on. And then I think what cement is well like the wet stuff I honestly don't know I'm not a construction worker I've never worked construction, but uh, I I just find this piece so bizarre. Uh, out, out, out of all the things you can get for attending a lightning game, you can get a concrete mixer. Where 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 would you put it? Number one and number two, if would. Would you eventually end up being that friend who the neighbor comes by the house and says, Hey, Bob, can I borrow your concrete mixer real quick? <laughs> that that that's just something that I don't get, you know? It's it's like it's it's like it's like where am I supposed to store this thing in like in like a big tool shed or something? Am I supposed to put this thing next to the next to the workbench? And it's like it's a 
it's it's just so strange to me. I mean, that'd be that'd be like I don't know, to be like uh, I don't know, to be like the Minnesota Vikings saying, hey, if you go to this place after a Vikings home game within seven days, you'll get this and you'll get uh, something that you probably will probably won't be able to find a use for. Like, wait a second now. You're partnering with a company and you want to order and you want to offer some sort of incentive for people to check out your product. So you're going to give them a coupon for a concrete mixer at a furniture store. What? Wait a second. A furniture store? Wait a second. What, what, is, what the heck is this? I mean, like, this, this, this is so mismatched. I mean, it's like it's like it's like going into IKEA, and they got the Swedish meatballs, and of which I've tried the Swedish meatballs at IKEA, and I'm not all that impressed. I mean, I like meatballs, but it's just like those. I don't know. I just I find them a little too dry for my liking. That's just I I. It's just like I don't know. It's it's like there's no flavor or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, get back to this real quick commercial standby. Not at the game? You can get a ticket at Canes3Goals.com. So when the Lightning score three or more goals, you score a free Culver's Value Basket or Concrete Mixer. Compliments of Canes Furniture. Go to Canes3Goals.com for info. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just find it so puzzling. Incredibly puzzling. But... Uh, so that's all I had in regards to sports. I don't have all that much in regards to, say, uh, well, the, 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 one, the one thing I do have is that, uh, well, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, for the past couple of, uh, past couple of games, they had some rough ones, but, uh, they bounced, but they came back last night, but the other night, oh man, it was bad. <laughs> it was Tuesday night. We're playing to come up against Nashville and Nashville beat us like seven to two. And that's not an exaggeration. That's 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 that was the actual score. It's been it's seven to two. You you really you really don't see that. You do, you don't see a lot of high scoring games in hockey. You really don't. But uh, there's a lot of action in regards to that. Now on to uh, this, and uh, I've uh, uh, I've made my opinions very well known about. The radio station 94.9 KCMO, local station here in Kansas that plays good music. Some of the personalities are okay. I am not a fan of the morning show because I firmly believe that the male host, Kelly Urich, is one of these guys who thinks he's funny, but he's not. And I just feel bad for his poor sidekick, Mackenzie, who has to sit there and listen to him just blabber on and on and on and on and just try to be funny. And I don't think he's all that funny. And he said some really sexist crap in the past, which I do not approve of. I do not appreciate. Now it seems as if, and 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 I've I've heard this commercial before. I just I haven't been, I I've, I haven't been able to uh, find a copy of it yet. But there's a commercial for term prod. Uh, term life insurance. What, 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 what? One of these term life insurance companies, and the commercial starts off with this, where the announcer says, "What's the effect of 
Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a insurance policy bigger than the bigger than the bigger than the last three you had to pay for your previous mistakes? Now I don't know about you, but I think that commercial was written by a man. Not just any man. But a special kind of man. The kind of man who, if you're in a conversation with him about life, and the topic of marriage comes up, and he says, don't do it. Meanwhile, he's got a wedding ring on. So that's just another example of the hypocrisy of society that really, really bugs me when that happens. You know, someone in, you know, someone in the circle who's married says don't do it, but it but is himself married. Complete hypocrisy, no other way to look at it. You're the one who elected to get married. So, you know what? Tough toenails. Either tough toenails or get a divorce. Quit complaining about it. You're the one who made this decision, not me. You did it. Go cry to somebody else. Hypocrites. And the the uh, and yeah, so wouldn't wouldn't someone have realized in that meeting while they were writing this commercial, hey, wait a second, this could be perceived as pretty sexist. To basically continue the stereotype, continue the narrative that's been going on that you know let's 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 degrade women by referring to divorce as mistakes in our commercials did somebody not realize how problematic this would be and i seem to be the only person who has a problem with this commercial it seems everybody else just mindlessly goes with the flow. They don't have an issue with the commercial at all. And they continue to run it. It's completely insulting to marriage. You know, to say that, you know, and, and I've, 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 I've often, I've, I've often heard commercials where like, it'll be a, like, it'll be like some scenario and some, uh, it'll say something like, I remember years ago there was a, uh, I think it was on iHeartRadio. There was some sort of meatloaf commercial or something like that, and some, some guy said something about his wife's meatloaf, and I think he said that it was better than his wife's meatloaf or something. And I heard that, and I'm like, really? So insinuate that your wife can't cook? Yeah, real great asshole. I mean, I know they're commercials, but you know, when it comes to commercials, I think that. There needs to be a closer examination on the copy so that it doesn't come across as sexist or problematic because you're trying to make a good impression on these people. And when you come out of the gate by saying, you know, this term life insurance thing will help you, you know, well, you know, this, that, and the other, and you refer to divorce, you know, a divorce as a mistake, well, a, what does it say about 
the person who writes this. But the other thing is, what is that, you know, how, how does that make a woman feel? You know, how does that make a woman feel when there's a commercial on and there's some sort of disparity, uh, uh, <clears throat> there's some sort of indiscrepancy or some disparaging comment made about marriage or relationships or whatever? I just, I, I, I don't get it. To continue to have this commercial run is just, I got a big problem with that. You know, can't people just be respectful of humanity and not make commercials where the announcer says, does your current trophy wife want more than because you've been divorced three times and you're looking to and she's looking for more money than the money you had to pay for your previous mistakes? Yeah, that's real nice. Yeah, that's real nice. Yeah, it's real nice. Degrade women even more and look where it gets you. Now there are some people who have you know, degraded women, but they've made a career out of it entertainers but they're not all like that Andrew Dice Clay is not the disgusting sexist chauvinistic pig in real life it's an onstage character the Dice Man it's a persona it's a persona of oh wait hold on here he is good evening soldier how are you doing, soldier? Doing pretty good, Dice. Listen, soldier. I saw that you were eating a tuna fish sandwich last night. That you got from Uber Eats. Real proud of you, soldier. Taking it down to street level. Now, were you eating that tuna fish sandwich so that you can practice eating at the bronze egg? egg, egg. All right, that was a little extreme. Thank you, sir. Hickory dickory duck. All right, get him out of here. All right. Uh, what do I got here? Okay, this is uh, well, you know, just 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 when you think just when you think there's light at the end of the tunnel with this coronavirus, just 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 when you think you're down in the mine shaft, you're hammering away or whatever it is, trying to get out, trying to get out, you think you see light. You can see a little, a little tiny crack of light. You can see it just, just a little bit, just, just a little bit. You know, you think you got it. You're almost home free. But then all of a sudden, more dirt comes a falling down. Let's listen to this. The pause in the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine will likely continue for at least another eight days. Now, that is when a CDC advisory committee will hold its next meeting. Now, this comes as Dr. Anthony Fauci says the U.S. needs to get COVID infections down to 10,000 new cases per day. Wait, 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 wait. We need to get it down to 10,000 new cases a day? Uh, Hey, uh, Tony Fauci, here's an idea. Here's a number. How about zero? When we get it down to zero coronavirus cases, then we're able, then we can go out amongst the living yet again and have a great time like we used to. 10,000? 10,000? 
that should be nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. That that should that 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 number should be zero, not ten thousand, because ten thousand is nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Too many. Ten thousand is too many. One death from coronavirus, I think, would be too many. Lift restrictions. The U.S. is now averaging nearly seven times that number. And CBS's Mola Lange reports COVID shots could soon become part of a regular routine. Yeah, probably, yep. You know, I would not be surprised. Tonight, the CEO of Pfizer saying a booster shot will likely be needed within 12 months of getting fully vaccinated. And it's possible people will need to get the COVID vaccine yearly, just like the flu shot. Well, if that's the case, then why don't they just combine, you know, why don't they just, why don't they just I don't know, why don't they do like a 50-50 kind of thing? You get, you get, you get a, you get one vaccine, a little bit with the flu in it, a little bit with the, the coronavirus in it, they'd stick you know, they, they, you know, they stick you in the arm and they give you a little Band-Aid and off you go. A likely scenario is that there will be likely a need for a third dose somewhere between uh, 6 and 12 months. This as COVID cases climb, fueled by variants, all while the Johnson & Johnson vaccine remains on pause after six women developed severe blood clots. In Pennsylvania, more than 30,000 new cases were reported in the last week as the state halted the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We were able to quickly pivot and uh, make sure that we continue to provide the service to Philadelphia. The race to vaccinate continues at sites across Philadelphia, where over a third of COVID cases are concerning variants. Um, so as good as this feels that we're getting, you know, people vaccinated um, and we've been successful in doing that, um, we still have a, a way to go. And tonight, concern is growing over multi-system inflammatory syndrome, or MIS-C, that rare mysterious disease that strikes children after a COVID infection. Wait, 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 hang on a second. It's a rare disease, but it strikes only children. Okay, wait a second. So what about, wait a second. So, 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 so are they saying, so are they saying that adults, you know, adults are basically, I don't know, are basically in trouble with this? Is, is that what they're saying? Is, are, 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 are they saying that adults can catch the, uh, you know, I don't know what they're saying. So far, it's infected more than 3,000 in 48 states, D.C., and Puerto Rico. And now researchers at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia think they may know one reason why. And many of these children don't even have any symptoms at all. Researchers discovered these children have highly activated immune systems that sometimes exceed the immune systems of adults battling COVID-19. So we're still learning a lot about this disorder, but um, it, it fortunately responds really well to, to treatment. Meanwhile, in Washington today, frustrations over COVID restrictions boiled over. I can imagine so. This is from yesterday, by the way. As Congressman Jim Jordan sparred with Dr. Anthony Fauci. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Yes, 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 this guy gets it. This guy gets it. As well as probably getting pain under the table, probably because of some bribes he may have taken. Either way. They've been assaulted. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. What? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Of course, Anthony Fauci is going to say that. Of course, he's going to say, I don't, look this, I don't look at this as a liberty thing. He looks at this as more like a health thing, basically. And it kind of seems as if, like, his mentality 
I haven't been able to fully understand him just yet, but I think what he's gathering at, I don't know. I think it's a possibility that his plan is just to keep the American public just continuously vaccinated and have them live in fear and announce that there's a new strain of Corona, brand new strain of Corona, and another vaccine for it, another vaccine for it. That's what I think his plan is. I think his plan is to just vaccinate us until we're dead. That's what I think his plan is. Never was about liberty with him. I never did care for Anthony Fauci. I never really, you know, in all fairness, I never really listened to him when he talked. And I'm sure not going to listen to him now because that's what I think. I, 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 you know. I think all these restrictions that are impeding on everyone's freedoms barely go outside, it seems like, you know, and, 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 and they always say, you know, and they always say, oh, well, you know, once, once the, you know, once you're vaccinated, then you should be, you know, should be, you know, no, <laughs> I mean, I re you know, I really hope that. 2021 is the absolute last year we have to deal with extensive coronavirus coverage. It has taken up almost everything in the media that seems to be pretty much all anyone ever talks about, that and police injustice. Those are the two big things, it seems like. If it isn't, you know, if it isn't the new mandate of having to stand six feet back, it's a cop killed somebody in this part of this part of the United States. Let's put this cop on trial and vilify them because this has been happening for years and years. And finally, this is the breaking point. This is the case that's going to have everyone just absolutely just, you know, th- th- this is the breaking point, evidently. And I'll be getting into that story a little bit later on. But first, I want to finish this up and I want to and then uh, then I have uh, something else. Spoiler alert. I got what? We got to sit through any of your uh, coronavirus songs, huh? Well, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you can always. All right. Stand by. Measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back. I just told Wait, wait, hold on. Told Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. What measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just Yes! Well, well, wait a second. First Amendment liberties? I think he just could have said liberties. He would have been fine. But First Amendment liberties, uh, that would imply that your right to freedom of speech was taken away during this pandemic, which it wasn't. Fucking Corona. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. Well, this is the largest. Wait, wait. If we're not talking about liberties, if we're talking about a pandemic that killed 560,000 Americans, then, well, then what, you know, what? What else needs to be done, Fauci? What else needs to be done? 
federal vaccination site in Pennsylvania administering 6,000 Pfizer vaccines every single day. The FEMA had planned to switch over to Johnson & Johnson until that vaccine was suspended earlier this week. So now FEMA says they'll keep this site open for an extra month until May 26th. All right, so at least, you know, they are keeping it open, which is nice. I mean, I just, I do not know. Just, like, the, the thing... You know, uh, and uh, all right, let's see. All right. Uh, what's this here? Okay, this. Okay, hold on a minute. Do, 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 do. Hold on. Okay. Hold on, doing a little live remix here. There we go. Okay. Oh wait, yeah. mix is almost done. All right. Uh, oh boy. All right. <clears throat> All right. So let's see. All right. Uh, actually, I, no, no, I, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't play that yet. <laughs> Jeez, I want to play this IRS thing that I got for y'all, but uh, not not something that I made, but uh, something that I uh, something that I've had for years. But uh, but I tacked it onto the out row, so get a week for it. All right, uh, let's see here. Well, let's see. I figure. Uh, well, all right. Uh, boy. Yeah, so. Uh, all right. Well, the, the only other thing that I really have for you is that, uh, well, uh, just to let you know that uh, next Thursday I'm going to get my second uh, coronavirus uh, shot. So the next day, uh, Friday, I might have a show. I'm not sure. I haven't decided just yet. It all depends on how I feel. And the first, the first shot wasn't all that bad, just a little soreness. So I don't think this is going to be too terrible. But uh, again, hey, we'll just wait and see how it uh, pans out. All right. Well, well, this is uh, well, this is the Lawrence Ross show. Stay tuned, because on the other side, because on the other side of the interlude, I got a thing of in regards to what did people during the depression shout out on. Uh, also, uh, also a thing in regards to how a Vietnam veteran. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, how an army veteran was treated by some cops, uh, the Dante Wright story, and a very important radio history. It's all coming up in a few minutes on the Lawrence Ross Show after this. Thanks for tuning in. Until then, here is the uh, uh, here's a coronavirus song that I did, followed by the interlude. So, hope you all enjoy. Back after this. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Yesterday, when we used to go outside and play, the pandemic has us locked away. Oh, take me back to yesterday, quarantine. Everything is on my iPhone screen. 
Here's a cure tiger blood from Charlie Sheen. No, he might have COVID-19. Man, this is so long. We wonder when it will pass. Trump and Fauci blab, but their heads are up their asses yesterday. When we used to hang and celebrate, no poontang, so we all just masturbate. Oh, take me back to yesterday. We all wear these masks. I wonder, is a bank getting robbed? When this is all done, can a girl please give me a blowjob yesterday? We would always hang around and play. The pandemic has us locked away. Oh, take me back to yesterday. This show is about making the people happy while you enjoy whatever has been selected for the great. Lawrence is stepping away from the microphone to fill up on his leftover Taco Bell. Nobody going to bathroom for about 35 or 5 minutes. The Lawrence Ross Show will return after this.
Welcome back to the show. Who's in charge over there? Want to get involved in the program? Ain't nobody got time for this. Call or text the comment line 813-602-2715. Get off the phone with me, you wacky prick. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Now back to our regular program. The Lawrence Ross Show. What's happening, everybody? Sorry about that. I was, I was just uh, contributing to his diabetes. Dude, not so loud, man. The reason why he was away from the microphone was because he was contributing to his uh, diabetes. Yeah, I was having a Pepsi for anybody who didn't get that. 813-602-2715. Love to hear from you tonight. Thanks, my dad. My dad's been checking out the program. Hope you like the uh, the appearance of dice. And he also liked uh, the thing of me talking about the cement mixer. So thank you. From your secret admirer. Oh, shut up! <laughs> uh. I'm half the man I used to be. Feelings gone. Wait. All right. Well, 
Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Ooh, that was weird. Thing wouldn't jump off when I wanted it to. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Lawrence Ross Show, 813-602-2715. Supposedly, supposedly we're leaving Afghanistan, but this... This is a case of, I think it's too good to be true. President Biden is defending his decision to withdraw all remaining U.S. troops from Afghanistan, saying the U.S. I don't know about all. I mean, we're probably going to have some left over. That's, that's just my opinion. Just what I think is going to happen. Needs to fight the battles for the next 20 years. Drew a sharp response from Republicans. This is Weijia Jiang at the White House. Many years ago. Hang a second. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Take two. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Take two. Hold on. Okay, hold on. Mulligan on that whole thing. Take two. All right. Now, supposedly, the story goes that we're leaving Afghanistan soon. I don't necessarily believe it. President Biden is defending his decision to withdraw all remaining U.S. troops from Afghanistan. I don't know about that. I think there's going to be some left over. Saying the U.S. needs to fight the battles for the next 20 years, not the last 20. His decision drew a... Sh right, yes, but here at home, okay, yes, we need that at home, but I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 some, something tells me this is not going to work out. His decision drew a sharp response from Republicans. We get more now from CBS's Weijia Jiang at the White House. President Biden announced the end to the U.S. war in Afghanistan from the same spot in the White House Treaty Room as President George W. Bush announced its beginning 20 years ago. It's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. It is. It is. The president said the U.S. would withdraw all forces by September 11th, having stopped al-Qaeda from... Oh, on, on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Hmm, there's no coincidence there. Using Afghanistan as a base for another attack. The CIA director warned leaving comes with consequences. Okay, in what respect? In what respect? I mean... I mean, does this guy? I mean, does this guy, does this guy think that there's going to be some rogue terrorist who's going to hop aboard a flight? One of our servicemen coming home after 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 we leave Afghanistan, supposedly. When the time comes for the U.S. military to withdraw, the U.S. government's ability to collect and act on threats will diminish. Repub wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second, man. Is this guy not a computer? Does he not know of uh, the internet? Does he not know of uh, messaging and stuff like that? Come on, man. You, you, you can get information very quickly. It's the 21st century. It's not like the 14th century. Looking Senator Lindsey Graham. The result of this decision today by President Biden is to cancel an insurance policy that, in my view, would prevent another 9-11. Cancel an insurance policy that, in my opinion, would can't... Would would prevent another 9-11. <laughs> I don't know about you, but... Okay, 
Let's 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 stop thinking about this for a second. The guy's name, he's a Republican senator, Lindsey Graham, a dude named Lindsey. <laughs> if my name was <clears throat> If I'm a dude and my parents called me Lindsey, I wouldn't be too happy with it. It's like, hey, you gave me a girl's name. What the hell, man? And and not even a common one. <laughs> There aren't a lot of dudes named Lindsay. There's a lot of guys named Chris. Dudes named Bobby, I get that, but guy named Lindsay? What? How the heck does that work? I've never understood that. A su- yeah, yeah. That 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 that'd be like that'd be like that'd be like they'd be like finding it, you know, they'd be like finding out there's a woman out there named Lawrence. <laughs> like 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 that'd be your first name. No, that that's typically her last name. The actress, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> How about a boy named Sue? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, great. Now you got to go look it up in your, in your, in your archives or your Spotify. Uh, yeah, I'll probably get it for some other show. Oh, damn. Look what I've done. Exactly. You you, you got me turning here, man. All right, continuing. President Biden honored the more than 2,400 troops who died in Afghanistan visiting Arlington National Cemetery where many are buried. Nobody else needs to die. No. U.S. Army Sergeant Adam Keyes survived, but he lost both legs and his left arm when his convoy ran over an IED in 2010. If you don't have a plan like we did not have a plan, then there is never going to be a true resolve here. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. And, and, that, and, and that, that seems to be the, that, that was the thing that I often heard years ago. Years ago, whenever, whenever, whenever they talk about the war on the Bubba show, they would talk about the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. And the, and the, the common thing I often hear everyone on the show say was, what's our exit strategy? Well, look, you know, you know, if, if we don't, you know, if we don't have an exit plan, then what the heck are we doing over there? I have to call it quick at some point. We can't do that forever. President Biden said the U.S. would continue its diplomatic and humanitarian work in Afghanistan, but he has made clear that he wants to focus the U.S. foreign policy on threats from China and Russia, along with the nuclear ambitions of Iran and North Korea. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So there we go. So, so, so if we leave Afghanistan, don't be surprised if a couple of years down the road we got to go after Iran or North Korea for something. Okay. All right. Now th- this seems to be a very uh, okay. Th- th- this seems to be a very uh, seems to be a very popular uh, uh, seems to be a very big story in Minnesota in, in Minneapolis. Uh, here's the uh, um, uh, here's an explanation in regards to to this uh, Dante Wright guy, and then and and after that I have uh, a clip about the cop who shot him. So here we go. This police body cam footage shows the final moments of 20-year-old Dante Wright's life. Officers attempt to handcuff Wright after a traffic stop when Wright struggles to get back in his car. Another officer comes to help. But it was a gun, not a taser that she fired. Wright managed to speed off, traveling a few blocks before crashing into another car. Authorities tried to revive him, 
but he died at the scene. Police Chief Tim Gannon described the shooting as an accidental discharge. It is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. The officer, who is described as very senior, has been placed on administrative leave. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second now. Hold on a second now. One name's Kim Potter, by the way, but uh, uh, again, in a second. Want to rewind this here because this 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 is this is very this is very. I don't know how this this error could be made. Administrative leave. Stand by. But he died at the scene. Police Chief Tim Gannon described the shooting as an accidental discharge. An accidental discharge. Okay, let, let's hear his explanation of it. It is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. Now, I don't know a lot about weapons, but I got to think, you know, but I got to figure that when you hold a taser versus a gun, there's got to be a pretty big damn difference. And, you know, I would, ima I would imagine, I would imagine, I would imagine it would probably be a case of, all right, hey, look. You know, they both have these triggering mechanisms. All I got to do is just hit this button and, uh, you know, that'll take care of that. But I guess in her haste, I guess in her haste, she just, she grabbed her gun, thought it was a taser and just fired. And then she realized, uh-oh, I just, uh-oh, I, I, I'm probably going to be number one now. The officer, who is described as very senior, has been placed on administrative leave. Calls for action against that officer are growing, including from Brooklyn Center's mayor. We recognize that this couldn't have happened at a worse time. Wright's killing sparked a night of chaos just 10 miles from where former officer Derek Chauvin is on trial for the murder of George Floyd. Protesters confronted police who responded with flashbangs and tear gas. As local businesses were also looted. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry declared a state of emergency, and the governor set a 7 p.m. curfew for the entire city. I've spoken to the authorities there. And President Biden mentioned Wright's death. Uh, we should listen to uh, uh, Dante's mom, who is calling for peace and calm. Yeah, I think we should. We, we, we definitely should, you know, because we, we, we do not need, we don't need any more of this nonsensical violence happening we need to be sensible but evidently society is not doing that okay now on to uh, a little bit of an update concerning uh the uh, uh the cop who killed dante wright named uh, kim potter i think she is in a whole world of trouble because this this is this 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 sort of thing has happened before, somewhat of a similar thing, but anyway, uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. First, I want to get into this. Kim Potter's first court appearance lasted five minutes, but her second-degree manslaughter charge could put her in prison for up to 10 years. Ha-ha, <laughs> sucks to be you. In a virtual court hearing that could not be recorded, Potter... Wait, wait, wait. A virtual court recording that could not be recorded. Why could it not be recorded? Were they having technical issues or... Did the judge bar any and all recording implement uh, devices? I really don't know. They, they they don't tell you all that much. Briefly appeared. Her only words to the judge were, yes, sir. As it's basically to say, yeah, I, I, I did it. I'm in trouble. This is a taser. This is a taser. But no, my nephew was killed with this. A Glock. 
Potter's arrest is of no comfort to Dante Wright's family. Justice isn't even a word to me. I do want accountability, 100% accountability, mm -hmm. if that even happens. We're still going to bury our son. The family is... Oh, man. Oh, I, 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 I can only imagine what they must be going through, and it's just... Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, right to a fair and speedy trial, but it's not, it's, 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 it's not, it's not going to bring this guy back. Nothing's going to bring this guy back. Still reeling after 20-year-old Wright was pulled over by Brooklyn Center Police for an expired tag. Police say he had a misdemeanor warrant. As they struggled to arrest him, Potter yelled taser, but instead grabbed her gun, firing the fatal shot. Today, this emotional tribute from Wright's father. My son was very much loved. We loved him a lot. And the way he was killed, he did, he did not deserve that. These young black men being killed. Can you blame my son or anyone else from being scared of the police? More protests are expected tonight. Activists have started putting up these air fresheners on the fence in front of the police department. Because keep in mind, Wright told his mom before he was killed that officers pulled him over for having one of these on the rear view mirror. As for Potter, she is out on bail. Her next court appearance is in May. Oh, man. I, 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 I don't think it's going to end well for her. I don't believe it's going to end very well for her. All right, let's see. Okay. One, one, one more story about cops. Last story about cops, I promise, and then I'll go on to something else. But this is just completely disgraceful, the way that these cops treated an Army veteran. This is, this, 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 this is, this is incredibly problematic, and these guys, uh, they should be fired for this, if you ask me. Keep your hands outside the window! Pulled over because he had no visible license plate, Army Lieutenant Garan Nazario was clearly worried about what could happen to him if he got out of the car. I'm honestly afraid to get out. Temporary tags on Nazario's new SUV were taped to the back windshield, something the Windsor, Virginia police officers had apparently overlooked. Or it was just a case of them being just completely just, they just had a bad day, I guess, and they decided, well, we're going to single this guy out. We don't care if he has temporary tags. We're just going to pull him over and we're going to treat him as if he is a piece of crap. Get out of the car now. I'm serving this country and this is how I'm treated. Get out. Officer Joe Gutierrez, who was fired Sunday for his role in the incident, responds by using a phrase referencing death by electric chair. You're fixing to ride the lightning, son. The situation. Jeez, you're fixing to ride the lightning, son. It's not like, in all fairness, it's not like this guy committed first-degree murder, rape, arson, child molestation, child killing. No. The guy, he had his, he was just driving and, and, and they didn't see his temporary tags. And they treat him as if he's got like six pounds of meth and he's going to distribute 47 child pornography magazines. Escalates from there. Hold on. Just get out the car. I'm trying to breathe. Ugh, that's up. That's up. Get out the car now. 
Nazario eventually exits the SUV. It is a sad commentary that when a uh, African-American male who is in uniform is still afraid to exit a car in today's uh, day and age. Today, the Sergeant Major of the Army praised Nazario's professional response to the situation. I'm very proud of him, he wrote. Nazario, who was ultimately not charged, has filed a $1 million lawsuit. As he should. As he totally should. He should, he should get every penny of it. Alleging that the officers involved were racially biased and dangerous. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course they are, man. Listen to the way they're treating them. They're telling him you're fixing to ride the lightning. They're like accosting him. They're they're pushing him around. They're they're they're, they're verbally threatening him. Yeah, this this is this is not good for them. There is more to Nazario's lawsuit. It also alleges that the officers involved threatened to destroy his military career if he complained. The town of Windsor says that it is retraining all of its officers, including the one who was not fired. <laughs> I think they should have fired both those guys because he's an accessory. He's also helping out. He, he, was, he, was, he was probably also pulling the guy around too. Should, but... Yeah, either way. Anyway. All right. Uh, now I want to get into... This is here. All right. Let's see. Okay, this... this uh, this will be fun. Uh, what did uh, what did people? Eat? Okay, what did people eat during the depression? This is from the Weird History Channel on YouTube. Let's uh, we can have some fun with this. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt wasn't going to let the Depression bring her fellow Americans down. As an early supporter of the home economics movement, she planned inexpensive and nutritious meals from Cornell's home economics department. Yeah, okay, not exactly rations, but, you know, you take what you can get. Although FDR was a bit of a gourmand, both the First Lady and the President practiced leaner eating habits during the Great Depression. According to their book, A Square Meal, A Culinary History of the Great Depression, food historians Jane Ziegelman and Andrew Coe noted the Roosevelts ate this way to send a message to Americans about how to eat during troubling times. Instead of foie gras or an amuse-bouche, FDR had to eat simple meals, at least when guests or the press were around. Denture-friendly fare like deviled eggs and tomato sauce with mashed potatoes or a bean and tomato stew were typical White House fare. Sounds like something you'd find at the frozen dinner aisle. Mm. Flavor and spices need not apply. Oh, man. Oh, dang. Darn. What a bummer. No salt, no uh, vinegar, no pepper, no uh, garlic salt, seasoned to taste, nothing like that. Nothing? Dang it. Dessert came in the form of prune whip. Mmm, prune whip. Yum, yum. <laughs> Prunes. I don't know, man. Delightful dish based around everyone's favorite dried fruit, the prune. Mm. Prunes and other dried fruit were common substitutes for fresh fruit during the Depression. So prune pudding was sort of an easy substitute for freshly baked pies or other desserts. Wait, wait, sort of an easy uh, substitute? How hard can it be? It's easy to make, too. 
All you need is some sugar, egg whites, and a bunch of prunes. Whip it all together, and you'll have a real, mm, regular dessert in no time. <laughs> uh, it's cute. Everyone loves peanut butter. And every even dogs. I don't know why dogs like peanut butter, but they just, I don't know, they do. I don't know. I guess I. Hey, Stewie, hey, does, uh, uh, does Brian like uh, peanut butter? Actually, no. He prefers uh, martinis. Oh, he does, huh? Yep. Oh, didn't know that. One loves onions, right? Both items were readily available during the Depression. Okay. And someone decided to mix the two. What? Peanut butter and onions? Uh, I, I don't know. So, so, something about that just does not sound appetizing to me at all. I mean, look at look at how we've progressed in regards to horrible flavors. Peanut butter and onions mixed together. Then all those wacky flavors of ice cream, mayonnaise, mustard. Those do exist, by the way. Pickle-flavored pizza, yes, that also exists. Yuck. Wait, is it plain? What the? What the? Wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. Is this thing? Wait a minute. It's not playing. Wait a minute. That was straight. Hold on. Prunes and all together, and several newspapers, and mixed the two. This resulted in auction from the Great Depression cookbook. There Peanut we go. butter stuffed baked onion. Ew. Okay. Yuck. That does not sound good. Voted by the Bureau of Home Economics, the recipe for peanut butter and stuffed onions saw publication in several newspapers and magazines of the period. The Bureau's professional home economists actively encouraged American homemakers to serve the inexpensive glop to their families. Food Ugh, it doesn't sound good. Historians Andrew Coe and Jane Siegelman decided to try making the dish themselves more recently. Coe said it was not a popular addition to the dinner table. <laughs> Jeez, yep, I, I guess so. Because I'll never forget. I forgot one time I was at. Uh, uh, I'll never, it, was, it was. It was. It was like, gosh, this is. Wow, this is. This, this is. This is before. This is. This is. Uh, like March of March of two thousand three. Went over to. Uh, uh, my future in laws. Uh, uh, house night for a little. Uh, little. Little. Little dinner dessert sort of thing. And my mom breaks out this dessert that she made, or I can't remember what it was, but everyone tasted it. Everyone was all, and everyone, even mom was like, Ugh, that one wasn't so good. Even I had a bit of it, and, uh, and I didn't like it. We don't like desserts anyway. What, what, uh, what, what, uh, what's that now? You don't eat, you don't, you don't really eat dessert anyway. Well, sometimes I do. She doesn't look like it, man. It looks like you've, uh... <clears throat> Oh boy, you know, <laughs> looks like you've uh, looks like you've missed the dinner table a couple of times. Shut up. Ziegelman put it more succinctly, noting that peanut butter has nothing to say to a baked onion. The Bureau of Home Economics really took the phrase "there's no accounting for taste" literally when they came up with that one. <laughs> Great one, guys! You mixed peanut butter and onions together. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Yucky. <laughs> Ritz crackers? There are no townhouse cracker. 
putting on the Ritz. But they are great for a light snack or handy to use in a dip. Mmm, good cracker. But they have an unlikely alternate use, a substitute for apple pie filling. Oh, I didn't know that. Ritz mock apple pie is pretty much what it sounds like, a pie made with Ritz crackers as its filling. The traditional ingredients of an apple pie combined with lemon juice and the unique texture of Ritz crackers created a taste intended to simulate a real apple pie. Considered a Depression-era favorite today, this pastry imposter has its roots in the 1880s, when apple shortages called for pie-filling substitutes. Soda crackers were a cheap alternative to America's favorite fruit. And soda crackers? They called it evidently soda crackers. And mock apple pies were popular during tough times. At some point, Nabisco began putting the recipe on the back of Ritz cracker boxes. Bing, Nabisco. Where it would remain until the 1980s. Wait, wait, wait it remained until the 80s? Then what happened? What, did you take the recipe off and just think people wouldn't notice? After 1,500 requests for the recipe in a single year, the company restored the recipe to its packaging in 1991. What? It took them that long? Jeez, why not just, why not, why not just keep it on forever and ever so this way you don't have to contend with having to fulfill 1,500 letters or phone calls or whatever from people going, Hey, man, I was looking at your uh, packaging. There's no, there's no ingredients on the back. What the heck, man? It remains one of Ritz's most requested recipes today. If an apple-free apple pie sounds tasty, you can try making one yourself. Just substitute 36 slightly crushed Ritz crackers for the apples in your favorite recipe, and you'll be baking a mock pie just in time for dessert. Mm-hmm. Mm, put it right on the windowsill. Let it cool. Eleanor Roosevelt did her best to promote home economics throughout the Depression. That didn't mean she didn't send out some genuinely bizarre dishes during that time. Take ah. the case of an off-putting casserole made from spaghetti, boiled carrots, and white sauce. Uh, okay, alright. The, uh, okay. Now, the, wow, the, uh, okay, the spaghetti, alright, the, uh, carrots... I like my carrots, brown sugar, and the white sauce. You know the white sauce in there. What the heck is this? Pizza Hut? What is this? Pizza where you customize the sauce when you're putting your pizza together? Unlike traditional pasta cooking methods, this recipe required cooking the spaghetti for a full 25 minutes. Once the pasta turned into a sad noodle mush, you were supposed to mix it with similarly boiled to death carrots. A bland white sauce made from milk, flour, salt, and butter topped off this not quite al dente dish. Roosevelt called it a vehicle for nutrition and nutrients, but you'd probably prefer to eat an old flapper hat instead. <laughs> a flapper? A flapper hat. It's a flapper hat. So weird. Vinegar-based desserts were popular in the 19th century, but made a comeback during the Depression. Known more commonly as desperation pies, these treats mix staple ingredients like eggs, butter, and sugar with some kind of substitution. In this case, apple cider vinegar takes the place of fresh apples. It's the fantastic acidic flavor of an apple cobbler without any pesky fruit. Cook huh. Apple cobbler, eh? Hmm. ...can whip the eggs and sugar into a delicious meringue to top the acidic dessert off in style. Apparently, it tastes like salt and vinegar custard, and it leaves the roof of your mouth tingling. Hmm. Hmm. If you find yourself with a hankering for a vinegar cobbler, don't despair. In 2015, award-winning chef Chris Shepard began serving the dish in his Houston restaurants, helping vinegar cobbler make a comeback in recent years. 
I don't know how good it tastes. I, I don't know. I've, I've I've never had cobbler to begin with, so I, I don't know. I mean, it could be really good or it could be awful. I don't know. I, I don't know. In a recipe straight from the Haywire Max songbook, Mulligan stew was basically hobo food. Not to be confused with NBC's short-lived 1977 comedy of the same name. Our two families became one after a tragic plane crash in Hawaii. Mulligan stew. Hmm. Haven't really seen that show, but the only, uh, uh, I, I, I know of that show Hot in Cleveland about some friends who were traveling to uh, Paris and the plane made an emergency landing in Cleveland. So that, that's, there's an interesting little thing for you. Hot in Cleveland and uh, Mulligan Sioux, both based off of uh, planes, I guess you could say. It was a community food put together by whatever foods they could scavenge and put together. In his book, Riding the Rails, Teenagers on the Move During the Great Depression, Errol Lincoln Hughes describes the dish as a mix of just about everything. People predominantly cook mulligan stew with stolen onions, corn, potatoes, foraged greens, and occasional meat bits. Enterprising hobo chefs might add a handful of navy beans or whatever else may add some flavor to the dish. But the real secret ingredient was just a bit of old Durham tobacco. Really? Huh. So they would be eating tobacco. Hmm. I don't know how appetizing that sounds. And everyone's favorite flavor enhancer, lint. Hmm. That's a meal I may not ask for seconds on. Nah. Yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one, man. I I, I don't want any seconds on that. Ooh. Dining at the White House during the Great Depression wasn't exactly fancy. Take the case of Milcorno. On one presumably dark and stormy night in 1933, several mad scientists at Cornell University invented a gruel known as Milcorno. <laughs> oh gosh, that's so wild, man. That's so that's so so wild. So well that there was already the whole the uh, uh uh the mad scientist trope. I love it's so crazy, but I love it. Okay, gotta get this thing back in here. Okay, uh, tick two. Scientists intended for this blend of powdered skim milk, cornmeal, and salt to help families stretch food budgets. Milkorno came with a somewhat dubious promise of enabling meals for a family of five for five dollars a week. And of course, Eleanor Roosevelt served it at the White House. But milk corno wasn't the only milk, cornmeal, and salt-based food supplement. There was also milk wheato and milk goto, both of which were purchased in bulk by the government. The government even bought 25 million pounds of dystopian dust to What? <laughs> 25 million dollars? Jeez. <laughs> wow, that's... <laughs> that's a lot. 25 billion? Woo! ...use in various hunger relief efforts. And although all of them turn into porridge after boiling... The Bureau of Home Economics inexplicably suggested that milk corn... Both of them, wait, wait, both of them turn into porridge? Okay, so what about the whole peas porridge hot, peas porridge cold, peas porridge in the pot nine days old? Throw that out, man. The health inspector's coming by. Peas porridge in the pot nine days old. That's how you get ants, man. That's what happens. Porno made a good substitute for the noodles and chop suey. Well, at least there isn't much toxicity in such things. <laughs> oh, jeez. The chop suey and toxicity, those are references to uh, the band System of a Down, which is a really awesome man band, and I've, I've, I've actually met them before. I, I, I met them back in 2002. Really cool dudes. And I'll... Uh, uh, 
I played a little bit of their music on the program before. I should definitely play some of their stuff again. They, they got some really good stuff, especially their second album. Oh, it's great. All right. Stand by. Despite some of the strange things people had to eat during the Depression, one modern culinary staple arose in the midst of it all. The one and the only Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Dinner. Ooh, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. According to the Smithsonian, Thomas Jefferson famously served macaroni and cheese at an 1802 state dinner after falling in love with the dish while visiting France. It wasn't an entirely new concept at the time, but the idea of boxing it and selling it as an inexpensive meal was. In 1937, a rogue salesman for the St. Louis-based Tenderoni Macaroni Company began selling his noodles with packets of Kraft grated cheese attached. Kraft soon hired the enterprising salesman to promote the meal to cash-strapped Americans. The dinner caught on in a big way, selling for 19 cents per four servings. Damn, 19 cents for every four... Wow, that's... that's... (laughs) That's a damn good deal. I remember, I remember there was this uh, comedian, Richard Jenny, who was no longer with us, but he did a bit one time, Bill the Belching Gourmet, and he goes, he does this thing where he goes, all right, it's the Bill the Belching Gourmet show. We're going to be doing Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Still 38 cents a metric ton. Now we just pop it in the microwave and set it on cardiac arrest. <laughs> I know I'm not doing the bit justice at all. I I, 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 I wish I I I should really go and try and find that bit. Maybe play for y'all one day. It's a real funny bit, but he's but there there there's a guy who we lost way too soon. Continuing, its speed was a selling point. With one early print ad featuring a happy, bewildered husband asking, "How the deuce did you make this keen macaroni and cheese so fast?" Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop! 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 What is it, Stewie? He said, what the deuce? So? I say, what the deuce? The devil is this man doing? Is he taking all my jokes and stuff? No, man, it's just, you know, whatever. We just got home. Kraft's dinner, as it's known in the Great White North, went on to become a staple of modern college cuisine. Kraft dinner! <laughs> that, that's, that's how they refer to it on uh, in, in the South Park universe in, in Canada. So I refer to it. Ah, hey, buddy, gotta go and make some craft dinner. Hey, I'm not your friend, buddy. I'm not your buddy, guy. And has a special place in our hearts today. Is the, uh, I got it, is, is the craft macaroni and cheese just as good, uh, just as popular as it is here in uh, the United States? Uh, Karen out in uh, Canada, uh, if you have any insight, uh, let me know if you could, please. Thanks. If you can, of course, you don't have to. Food historians typically agree that loaves were quite popular during the Great Depression. Food loaves were made from a central ingredient and cheaper ingredients that would stretch the entire thing out. A Depression-era menu might contain such delicacies as a liver loaf, lima bean, and peanut loaf. Authentic meatloaf was a luxury, but still relatively affordable by padding it with other ingredients like crackers or bread. And much like today, ketchup and canned soup delivered more flavor at a small additional cost. Food historian Ziegelman and Co. bake some soy lima bean loaf, maintaining it tastes a bit like falafel, but should be served with lots of highly seasoned gravy. Gotta get that taste out, right? Yeah. 
Some historians believe the federal government made a mistake by overlooking immigrants' contribution and creativity to hunger relief efforts during the Great Depression. Italian immigrants were sometimes known for making delicious, highly nutritious, and inexpensive foods for their families. Yet the government chose to overlook their methods as a source of hunger relief inspiration. Huh, isn't that something? So, you know, you got all these Italian people making nice food, but uh, evidently their, their contributions go by the wayside. That sucks. One delicious and vitamin-packed ingredient foraged by Italian immigrant women in New York City came in the form of dandelion greens. Straight from the front yard to the dinner table, dandelion greens were added to salads, sautéed, or cooked with olive oil to create an essentially free meal. If you needed a cheap source of protein during the 1930s, gelatin was likely your main ingredient. Mmm, gelatin desserts. Been around forever, I believe. Many Depression-era cookbooks feature gelatin as a base for such cutting-edge recipes as corned beef luncheon salad and other congealed salads. Mmm, bright, crisp vegetables in cool, shimmering jello. There's a salad for you. Congealed salads may sound like the name of a band from the 90s, but they were authentic dishes people ate during tough times. <laughs> it does kind of sound like a band name from the 90s, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, here they are, rocking the set on K-Rock in Los Angeles. You're home for Howard Stern in the mornings. Corned beef luncheon salad was... No, I said that back, Howard Stern. I think he was on KLSX. And I believe he was. Particularly repulsive, with its unholy mix of its canned corned beef, gelatin, canned peas, vinegar, and lemon juice. A few reports from individuals courageous enough to try today describe it as wrong in every way possible. Just from the color to the smell, the texture, the flavor, the mouthfeel. It may look, <laughs> smell, and... It doesn't, it, it doesn't sound all that good. Probably tastes like canned cat food, but one simply cannot deny gelatin's versatility in cooking. Have you made a jello salad lately? Well, do this week. Hey, there is always room for a jello salad. If you're into that, of course, not everybody is into jello. Got milk? The people struggling to survive through the Great Depression certainly did. Milk also piqued nutritionists' interest, who placed tremendous importance on it as a kind of superfood. Cow's milk was a bit of a wonder food at the time. Packed with vitamins, fats, sugar, and proteins, it served nutritional needs and practical purposes during the period. Milk was also used in tons of recipes from the time, from flavorless white sauces and cornstarch pudding to fortified foods like milkorno. Of course, the sheer amount of milk given to school-age kids was quite impressive, as the government advised nearly a quart a day. School lunches almost always featured a nice glass of milk to go along with the day's meal. I'm not really into milk for some reason. It's just like, I, I don't know, it's just like, I prefer chocolate milk. That's, that's just me. Chipped or frizzled beef has been a breakfast choice in some parts of the United States since the 19th century, eventually finding its way into a 1910 military cookbook called Manual for Military Cooks. Since then, the creamed chipped beef on toast has been an army staple with a colorful name, on a shingle, or yep. SOS. The old frontier favorite enjoyed a resurgence during the Depression. Per culinary historians Ziegelman and Co., this era's version was a combination of canned corned beef, plain gelatin, canned peas, vinegar, and lemon juice. It doesn't sound all that good. And wrong in every possible way. That doesn't mean some folks aren't nostalgic for SOS today. SOS was often served during the Second World War, and even the TV show MASH used it as a recurring joke. You've forgotten your shingle, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen MASH all the way through. I've heard really good things about it. I just, I've not 
checked out all the way through. Is, is, is it as good as everybody says it is? Nothing says America quite like hot dogs. Everyone's favorite processed meat product was a surprisingly versatile ingredient during times of scarcity. Although many Depression-era recipes that incorporate hot dogs had bleak names like Poor Man Stew or Hoover Stew, they made for <laughs> surprisingly good recipes. Hoover Stew? These sliced hot dog rounds with cooked macaroni, cans of stewed tomatoes, and canned corn or peas from time to time. Modern cooks are hard at work reclaiming Hoover Stew these days, occasionally substituting fancier ingredients for yesteryear's canned vegetables. Bon appetit. There you go. All right. Now, got a little bit, uh, let's see, what time is it now? It is? Okay. 40 minutes past the top of the hour now. I want to get into this now because it is very time sensitive. Because it's uh, 10 minutes. And normally I don't play stuff uninterrupted 10 minutes unless it's... Uh, nor normally I don't play anything longer than 5 minutes uninterrupted if, if I need to. But... This I'm going to play uninterrupted because I think it's very important. Yesterday was, uh, well, let's see. Uh, 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 in April of 1945, Edward R. Murrow went to Buchenwald in Germany. And he reported on what he saw at this concentration camp. Now, for those of you who will be listening to this, you may recognize some excerpts from this at the beginning of the show. And I put those excerpts in there, not as a framing device to make fun of this program, but rather to remind myself as to what good journalism once was and how it's going away and how we, you know, how I think reporting should be more like this and a lot less than what it is today. But nevertheless, it's for historical purposes. This is Edward R. Murrow discussing what he saw at Buchenwald. And then after that, I'll be back with uh, just like about a minute left, and then that'll be it. So stand by. Permit me to tell you what you would have seen and heard had you been with me on Thursday. It will not be pleasant listening. If you're at lunch or if you have no appetite to hear what Germans have done, now is a good time to switch off the radio. For I propose to tell you of Buchenwald. It is on a small hill about four miles outside Weimar. And it was one of the largest concentration camps in Germany. And it was built to laugh. As we approached it, we saw about a hundred men in civilian clothes with rifles advancing in open order across a the field. There were a few shots. We stopped to inquire. We're told that some of the prisoners had a couple of SS men cornered in there. We drove on, reached the main gate. The prisoners crowded up behind the wire. We entered. And now let me tell this in the first person, for I was the least important person there, as you shall hear. There surged around me an evil-smelling horde. Men and boys reached out to touch me. They were in rags and the remnants of uniforms. Death had already marked many of them, but they were smiling with their eyes. I looked out over that mass of men to the green fields beyond, where well-fed Germans were plowing. A German, Fritz Kirchheimer, came up and said, May I show you around the camp? I've been here ten years. An Englishman stood to attention, saying, May I introduce myself? Delighted to see you. 
And can you tell me when some of our blokes will be along? I told him soon. And asked to see one of the barracks. It happened to be occupied by Czechoslovakians. When I entered, men crowded around, tried to lift me to their shoulders. They were too weak. Many of them could not get out of bed. I was told that this building had once stabled 80 horses. There were 1,200 men in it, five to a bunk. The stink was beyond all description. When I reached the center of the barracks, a man came up and said, You remember me. I am Peter Zenkel, one-time mayor of Prague. I remembered him, but did not recognize him. He asked about Benish and Jan Masaryk. I asked how many men had died in that building during the last month. They called the doctor. We inspected his records. There were only names in the little black book. Nothing more. Nothing who these men were, what they had done, or hoped. Behind the names of those who had died, there was a cross. I counted them. They totaled 242. 242 out of 1,200 in one month. As I walked down to the end of the barracks, there was applause from the men too weak to get out of bed. It sounded like the hand clapping of babies. They were so weak. The doctor's name was Paul Heller. He had been there since 38. As he walked out into the courtyard, a man fell dead. Two others, they must have been over 60, were crawling towards the latrine. I saw it, but will not describe it. In another part of the camp, they showed me the children. Hundreds of them. Some were only six. One rolled up his sleeve, showed me his number. It was tattooed on his arm. D-6,030 it was. The others showed me their numbers. They will carry them till they die. An elderly man standing beside me said, The children, enemies of the state. I could see their ribs through their thin shirts. The old man said, I am Professor Charles Risha of the Sorbonne. The children clung to my hands and stared. We crossed to the courtyard. Men kept coming up to speak to me and to touch me. Professors from Poland, doctors from Vienna, men from all Europe. Men from the countries that made America. We went to the hospital. It was full. The doctor told me that 200 had died the day before. I asked the cause of death. He shrugged and said, tuberculosis, starvation, fatigue, and there are many who have no desire to live. It is very difficult. Dr. Heller pulled back the blankets from a man's feet to show me how swollen they were. The man was dead. Most of the patients could not move. As we left the hospital, I drew out a leather billfold, hoping that I had some money which would help those who lived to get home. Professor Richer from the Sorbonne said, I should be careful of my wallet if I were you. You know, there are criminals in this camp, too. A small man tottered up, saying, May I feel the leather, please? You see, I used to make good things of leather in Vienna. Another man said, my name is Walter Röder. For many years, I lived in Joliet. Came back to Germany for a visit, and Hitler grabbed me. I asked to see the kitchen. It was clean. The German in charge had been a communist. Had been at Buchenwald for nine years. Had a picture of his daughter in Hamburg. Hadn't seen her for almost 12 years. And if I got to Hamburg, would I look her up? He showed me the daily ration. One piece of brown bread about as thick as your thumb. On top of it, a piece of margarine, as big as three sticks of chewing gum. That and a little stew was what they received every 24 hours. 
He had a chart on the wall, very complicated it was. There were little red tabs scattered through it. He said that was to indicate each ten men who died. He had to account for the rations. And he added, we're very efficient here. We went again into the courtyard. And as we walked, we talked. The two doctors, the Frenchman and the Czech, agreed that about 6,000 had died during March. Kirschenheimer, the German, added that back in the winter of 39, when the Poles began to arrive, without winter clothing, they died at the rate of approximately 900 a day. Five different men asserted that Buchenwald was the best concentration camp in Germany. They had had some experience of the others. Dr. Heller, the Czech, asked if I would care to see the crematorium. He said it wouldn't be very interesting because the Germans had run out of coke some days ago and had taken to dumping the bodies into a great hole nearby. Professor Richard said, perhaps I would care to see the small courtyard. I said, yes. He turned and told the children to stay behind. As we walked across the square, I noticed that the professor had a hole in his left shoe and a toe sticking out of the right one. He followed my eyes and said, I regret that I am so little presentable, but what can one do? At that point, another Frenchman came up to announce that three of his fellow countrymen outside had killed three SS men and taken one prisoner. We proceeded to the small courtyard. The wall was about eight feet high. It adjoined what had been a stable or garage. We entered. It was floored with concrete. There were two rows of bodies stacked up like cordwood. They were thin and very white. Some of the bodies were terribly bruised, though there seemed to be little flesh to bruise. Some had been shot through the head, but they bled but little. All except two were naked. I tried to count them as best I could and arrived at the conclusion that all that was mortal of more than 500 men and boys lay there in two neat piles. There was a German trailer, which must have contained another 50, but it wasn't possible to count them. The clothing was piled in a heap against the wall. It appeared that most of the men and boys had died of starvation. They had not been executed. But the manner of death seemed unimportant. Murder had been done at Bugenwald. God alone knows how many men and boys have died there during the last 12 years. Thursday, I was told that there were more than 20,000 in the camp. There had been as many as 60,000. Where are they now? As I left that camp, a Frenchman who used to work for Havas in Paris came up to me and said, you will write something about this, perhaps. And he added, to write about this, you must have been here at least two years. And after that, you don't want to write anymore. I pray you to believe what I have said about Buchenwald. I have reported what I saw and heard, but only part of it. For most of it, I have no words. Dead men are plentiful in war, but the living dead, more than 20,000 of them in one camp. And the country round about was pleasing to the eye, and the Germans were well-fed and well-dressed. American trucks were rolling towards the rear, filled with prisoners. Soon they would be eating American rations, as much for a meal as the men at Buchenwald received in four days. If I have offended you by this rather mild account of Buchenwald, I am not in the least sorry. I was there on Thursday, and many men in many tongues blessed the name of Roosevelt. For long years, his name had meant the full measure of their hope. These men, who had kept close company with death for many years, did not know that Mr. Roosevelt would, within hours, join their comrades 
who had laid their lives on the scales of freedom. Back in 41, Mr. Churchill said to me, with tears in his eyes, one day the world and history will recognize and acknowledge what it owes to your president. I saw and heard the first installment of that at Buchenwald on Thursday. It came from men from all over Europe. Their faces, with more flesh on them, might have been found anywhere at home. To them, the name Roosevelt was a symbol, a code word for a lot of guys named Joe, who were somewhere out in the blue with the armor heading east. At Buchenwald, they spoke of the president just before he died. If there be a better epitaph, history does not record it. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. hope that you uh, took something away from that. And I heard that the reason why there's footage of it, there, there's footage of, uh, the reason why there's footage of uh, the various concentration camps is because I think it I can't remember, can't remember exactly who it was, but someone had said to, I think it was Eisenhower, said, hey, look, you know, you realize that people are going to think this is, uh, none of this happened. And he said, well, you know, we, we, we got to educate the people. So that's, that's, that's why that stuff is uh, documented. And it's important that we don't forget the uh, atrocities of what happened in Germany with the Holocaust. You know, to, to, to give you an idea as to how much Germany has been trying to absolve themselves from that war and say, hey, listen, America, you know, this is not us. You know, this is, you know, this is, this is, you know, we're totally different. You can't even get pictures of Hitler in Germany. You just can't. They, they won't let, they won't let you look at them, which it makes sense. I mean, you know, the, you know, uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, that that that's pretty much the end of the program. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thanks, my dad, for uh, calling in. Always nice to hear from him on the air. And uh, yeah, I I, I I I should really get this mixing board taken care of because I can only hear sound out of like one channel, and it sounds really low and stuff. But on the playback, it sounds fine. So it's really weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this thing has seen better days. I don't know. Uh, but. Uh, want to end the uh, show with uh, something I've because because I've ended the show with something ever since January 22nd January 22nd I've tacked on something into the uh, in, in the and something in something leading into the in, uh, something leading in the out row because I don't know I've, 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 you know, I've, I've always enjoyed that for some reason uh, but uh, this is an offering from a guy named CJ Goodall he didn't voice this himself I think he probably wrote this and just put this all together Back in uh, back in the day, C.J. Goodall, when he was in uh, Orlando, on uh, I think it was WDIZ, uh, he was uh, part of this morning show, and uh, they, there was uh, and uh, he put this little production group together, freaking comedy networks. Him and this guy, uh, David Green, very talented, by the way. Both those guys, very talented. And uh, so, Zuff one of their albums off of the album. Mo Fugger, Mo Fugger, little, little little character that this uh, CJ guy does. Uh, but this is a fun little uh, uh, this is a fun little IRS thing. I figured I'd play because yesterday would have been the deadline, but they've since extended it to May seventeenth. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got for that. 
Remember, folks. Do uh, yeah. I almost messed up my whole row. Uh, remember, folks. All you got to do, see with your heart, and do good. And I'll see you next Friday. I'm Lawrence Ross. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Welcome to the Internal Revenue Service Hotline. If you do not have a pot to piss in, press one. If you are maxed out on all your credit cards and are selling drugs for cash, press 2. If you have pimped your greasy mama and are all tapped out, press her rock-hard nipples against the phone now. Stick your tongue on the receiver. Now suck it. Suck the phone, you dirty little whore. Oh yeah, that's it. That's how Papa likes it. Oh, don't stop. Oh my god, who's your daddy? Spank me, bitch. I'm your dirty Uncle Sam. Hey, what the hell are you doing? Um, er, um, nothing. I was just helping this taxpayer. Hang up the phone now. But, boss... I told you no more phone sex. I was answering important questions. You are a liar. Hang up now, you filthy little bastard. And come see me in my office. What a dick. Welcome to the Internal Revenue Service Hotline. If you would like to file an extension, press 1. If you are not willing to pay your fair share and would rather go to prison, press 2. That's right, cutie. How would you like to be married to the man with the most cigarettes? Why do you think they call it a penal institution? Your bunkmate will have his way with you every day in the shower. You will never walk the same again. He'll be your backdoor man. Cough up the dough. You cheat son of a bitch. You are the motherfucking Antichrist! You've been listening to The Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, blindlawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash LRoss1987. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow the show on Spotify. Search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your sack of Jawea dollars with you. This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold bricking ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. Everybody I know does. Shut up! And Baba Booey to y'all. <laughs>